Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast, number 105 with Anthony Rodriguez. Thanks for listening, man. Really appreciate it. A-Rod has been around a while now. Uh, you've seen him on a lot of teams, saw him in Europe, saw him in Supercross, Motocross, all of that. And I wanted to catch up with him and find out what he's been doing and what's been going on. He's always been a friendly guy. And uh, I'm happy to do this podcast, man. Really, really stoked to do it. Thanks to FXR for making it happen. Uh, absolutely great company, uh, FXR Racing. Mike Brown wears FXR, and so does Phil Nicoletti. And if you don't wear FXR, one of those two guys will probably beat the crap out of you. So uh, check it out, fxrracing.com, designed by racers for racers. Use the code PulpMX30 when you're checking out to save with those guys on, on almost anything they make. Thanks to Race Tech as well. Zombie Chris Blos using Race Tech. Michael Lessie using Race Tech. Man, they sponsor a lot of guys. Jer- Jerry Robin, Race Tech Suspension and Motors this summer. Uh, absolutely c- crushing it. So Pulp19 is the code to save. If you need motor work done, you need suspension work done, they can help you out. Thanks to the folks at Race Tech for all that they do. Maxxis Tires as well. MXST. Thinking about getting a high-end tire and you haven't thought about Maxxis before? Well, think about them now. MXST Tires, developed by McGrath, used by AJ Catanzaro. Uh, Maxxis.com for more information on that. And Skosh.com as well. Family-owned and operated company since the 1980. Products are inspired by a passion for cool vehicles, amazing sounds, the great outdoors, travel, motorsports, and more. Skosh is a proud sponsor of the Rockstar Energy Husky team. And visit Skosh.com to use, uh, and use, code pulp, pulp, use code PULP25 at checkout to save 25% off your purchase. S-C-O-S-C-H-E. Com. Thanks to Skosh for hooking up A-Rod as well for a little care package. And finally, the folks in Namira Technologies, uh, their industry-leading top-end repair kits offer everything you need to rebuild your top-end at a price that will keep you riding every weekend. No matter what your budget, Namira has you and your wallet covered. They have a full line of cast and forged pistons for every MX application you can think of. Uh, please visit your local dealer for more information about the innovative kits, as well as the other product lines that the folks have at Namira. I want to go up and visit them if uh, next time we, I end up in Minneapolis. Namira.com, N-A-M-U-R-A.com for more information if you're looking for a top-end repair kit. And thanks to those guys for helping out this show, which is all about the privateers. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Here's Anthony Rodriguez. Like I said, everybody, it's the FXR Race Tech Privateer Island podcast. This is number 105, and uh, I'm pleased to uh, get on a guy from uh, from another country that uh, you've seen in America for a long time and, and actually been all over the world racing. It's Anthony Rodriguez. A-Rod, what's up, man? How are you? Not much, man. How's it going? I'm good. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. This is I was looking forward to it for sure. I like to have people know what's going on you know a lot of people are being asking me so i feel yeah. like they deserve some closure on what's going on yeah for sure absolutely right we've seen you all over the place we saw you in supercross we saw you at the mxgps uh i guess what what do you got going on for next year let's talk about that before recap what do you what do you have uh going on for 2020 so um for 2020 um i've been reached out by uh Possible team that's going to be built that's new for next year. Okay. But that's up in the air. So yep. that's not 100% sure. Um, you know, just healing from the injury as well is my main goal right now. Mm-hmm. I want to be fully competitive for the next event that I do race. You know, the past few years I've always competed not being ready yep. because X or Y reason. And I feel like that's one of the reasons maybe I don't have a ride like I should have because I go out there and I don't show my full potential just because I'm like, okay, well, I could be one of those lucky guys who's at the right place at the right moment. Mm -hmm. And that may be just 60% because I've been riding for two weeks, but people know that. Yeah, yeah. But that hasn't happened to me yet. And instead, I've been showing the results that, um, that are not the results that I should be given, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the second goal right now is just get 100% fit, 
race ready after I get approved to ride the bike mm -hmm. and then move on from that. Um, I've looked at my options to go race Brazil as well. Okay. That wouldn't be the most ideal thing, but I would attack it with the most energetic mm -hmm. way I could for sure if I was given the opportunity to do something well there. Yeah. And if I were to go over there, that wouldn't mean that I'm giving up on racing AMA or MXGP again. Mm -hmm. It would be more of a build-up year so that I could come back for 2021 um, even stronger, whether it would be AMA or MXGP. Or either one. Wow, definitely. I've, I've watched you over the years, from either whether star racing or any of the other rides you've had. You have a lot of talent. You have a lot of skills. You can ride a motorcycle for sure, but... Other times, man, there has been some big crashes with you <laughs> over the years that I'm like, holy smokes. So, like, if you just if you can put it all together, man, it, it could come to you. You know what I mean? Like, but, yeah, you got to get fully healthy first. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my first year as a rookie, I was running third for six laps in the first main event ever, and I crashed. That happened the second race as well. Mm -hmm. And that was purely on me. That was just me way too energetic. Um, you know, it was a dream that I never thought could be possible, you know, just being from Venezuela coming over yeah. to something that was just in paper impossible for me to do. And I was doing it and I was giving it 120% and mm -hmm. that was too much. The right. second year I was like, okay, I'm going to do this with just 80% speed. And I did. Yeah. And I finished sixth in the championship Supercross, one point from fifth with RJ. You know, it was yeah. a great year. I had three top fives when it comes to Supercross. Then Outdoor comes around. I'm like, you know, man. I'm going to tag this again 100%, go as fast as I can. And that worked out great at Hangtown. I got top five. And that's when we had, like, Marvin and yeah. a bunch of guys in the class. And then just training a public track before Glen Helen, some bet rider decided it was a good idea to cross three lanes sideways to get out of the track. And yes. I had a pretty big crash then. Oh. And the rest is history. And not only injuries, but some political stuff. Um, yeah. Some people not giving me um, product to go riding for X or Y reason also happened throughout my career. So if I sat here and explain it all, it would just be too long of a story. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, it is true. And it's like, I've never heard of anything like it, but I'm trying to forget that and just try and work in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. Um, so you broke your leg, right? Uh, in Europe? Yep, that's yeah. right. Um, yeah. I was actually um, in Turkey. I had a really good race. Um, you know, I, I've, I had only a few weeks on the Yamaha after yep. switching from the Kawasaki, and yep. I was able to get two top 15s in both motors, which doesn't sound crazy good, but my best lap time was only 2.5 seconds of the leader, mm. and that's just how close those guys are yep. there. Yep. There's 15 guys within a three-second speed gap. And then after that, I was offered to race a local race in Amsterdam, not, not Amsterdam, in Netherlands. Yep. And so I was training for that local race, and then um, something really odd happened to the bike. Mm. We believe it was harness, the wiring, yep. and it just happened in the worst possible moment. It's like a wide-open set of rollers with a double at the end, and you kind of just bounce off the face of the jump. And yep. just when I was going to bounce, the bike cut off, and oh. I broke my femur off because of that, and... It's unfortunate, but, you yeah. know, it is the sport that we signed up no, for and things it, like that can happen. It is, for sure. Um, yeah, man, I, I followed your results over there. Uh, like you said, it's really competitive, uh, up and down results. Um, How did you get contacted in the first place to go over there? Because you were with Bud, but it was, you were on a team before that too, I believe, right? Okay, so after Supercross, Yep which did not go great. I really didn't get a bike till like a week before and whatnot. And then um, 
With Honda, it was okay. Tyloop gave me that feeling ride, and mm-hmm. I was able to qualify top five after, like, again, just riding two weeks. But, I mean, I can't go out there 15 laps. <laughs> Um, with the same lap time every lap, with just two weeks on a bike, you've never rode, never tested suspension, and you're riding a different weight suspension because it's from the other rider. Right, right. But long story short, after that, I didn't have anything for outdoors, and I'm not in the position where I can just go buy a bike and go set it up and go racing. Unfortunately, that's not where I am right now. Yeah. And so the Boss Kawasaki team contacted me. Um, in paper, it was a great offer. There was huge controversy behind this team. Yes, um, yes. I knew it was a huge gamble to go there. I talked to everybody that I knew in Europe from the past years of racing with HRC yeah. and Factory Yamaha. They all advised me not to do it, but uh, it was my only option. Yeah, yeah. And with money being involved, I was like, you know what? If the bike sucks, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll just try to get the best possible results I can sure. and use that money to go race Monster Cup. Right. And I don't want to go into detail, but it wasn't – the bike wasn't even the biggest issue. There was a much bigger issue around that. And it got so bad that I told him, I need to break this contract. Like, you have yeah. no idea how much I need this money, but I yeah, just yeah. simply cannot do it. But you're not the only guy that has had issues with the team over – you know what I mean? I'm like, the fifth guy, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's not like you're the problem here. They're, they're going through a lot of riders. Yeah, and, you know, it's something that's actually is sad for the sport because we need people like them with money and whatnot. Yep, yep. But you you, you can't make a team only with money. You need people. You need yep. to listen to people that have knowledge in the sport. You uh-huh. can't come from a different sport and think you're going to know it all in the first year, you know. And you know what? I hope they can figure it out, and I hope that they can be a successful team in the future. But they're going to need more than just an owner and a practice mechanic if they need to do that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but lo- yeah. But anyways, um, I hold the best for them. I broke the contract with them. Um, I was ready to come back to the U.S. and see what I could do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after doing great last year with um, the Kamea MXGP team in the um, 250 class, yep. they really wanted to keep me. I did great. Um I was able to get a top five after just being on the bike again, like six weeks or something like that in the GPs. And I showed speed. I was getting tired in the last five minutes because, I mean, mm-hmm. those two day races and yeah. 30 minute motos, those dudes are strong. And I was yeah. not ready for that. Yeah. But even though I wasn't ready by the end, they realized, hey, look, after a few months, he's already top five guy. But we can't keep him. He's turning 23. Yeah. So he, the team owner always tried to help me to find a ride. But with, I mean, there's, yeah, 15 it, to 17 guys over there that are potentially top eight speed, depending on top ten. I mean, yeah. sorry, top eight result speed, depending on their start position. Uh-huh. And there's not that many teams, so I wasn't able to land anything. Well, long story, um, after um, I broke my contract with Bud, he started looking for something for me, and he found that Yamaha deal. So that basically came after I was like ready to come back to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And I just got on the bike, practiced one week, and then raced from that and you know they did the best they could with the little short time we mm-hmm. had yeah and it was i think a beneficial thing for the both of us because the team just transitioned into becoming the factory team for the emx yep and so they had never really had a rider who had the experience of testing parts and whatnot like myself and so they were able to learn a lot from me 
and I was able to have the opportunity to get my best position in a 450 MXCP class ever. So it was a win-win situation for the both of us, mm -hmm. except that on my part, they don't continue to have an MXCP team for yeah, next year yeah, because they have EMX. to fully focus sure. on the EMX. Right. So again, some of something unlucky there happened as well, like in the last few years, but that's that. Okay, so the, oh, so you... So the team, the Yamaha team was the same as the team for the year before that you rode for. I didn't know that. I thought it was a different team. No, so let me rephrase that. Okay. Um, Kamea was the MX2 team, the factory MX2 yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The team I raced for this year was a satellite team ah. named Houghton Metal. Ah, okay. got it. Okay, got it. I thought they were different and teams. And they're becoming right, right. factory-supported team for, for EMX. EMX. Yeah. Um, interesting. Wow, that's quite a journey you've had. If you if you add the Tylube ride in there, too. A Rod, and that's quite a quite a variety of bikes and teams you've had in the last year. Like, yeah, and I forgot to mention too. Before I got the tie loop thing, I literally bought a two, 2017 250 from Keith Docker, okay. who had just recently retired. Yeah, and I just got on his bike and went racing. <laughs> Jesus, um, um, I think I don't remember correctly what I got, but I got like a twelve thing, and then I started talking to tie loop, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, like um, four different bikes in one year. Yeah, that's not no. what I want, but it happened. I uh, Dan Truman is my Anthony Rodriguez expert, so if I need some information on you, Dan Truman is my my go to source on that. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He'll know it all. Be between him, Camilo Gomez, and Brian Johnson at MTF, he probably knows every night where I'm sleeping. Yeah, so yeah. That. <laughs> exactly right. Um, yeah, the MXGP stuff, man. What would you make of that? Like, it's I watch them. I watch a lot of them. Uh, obviously, I go to all the U.S. races here. We've seen the motocross, the nation's results, and everything else. Um, yeah, it's it's a like you mentioned. It's a it's a two day program. It's got a qualifying race on Saturday and. Um, what's your take on the GPs, man? Like, what do you, what, what's, what, what's your take on that? Honestly, I've done it. Um, the first year I did two weeks with HRC 250. And then last year I was there for six months. And then this was the third year that I've gone over. And I feel like this is the third year is the one that I've actually gotten to understand it fully. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, there's a big drama going on between us championship and MXGP championship. You see all the comments, everybody saying, Oh, well, we're better at this, they're better at that. And I don't think that's where the conversation should be going because although it is the same sport, it's really not the same. The right. tractor is so much different. It requires a different style of riding. It requires adjusting. If, if, if you're an American rider and you go to race one of those tracks, it's different. And I'm lucky that I grew up in Venezuela and the tracks are more, much more like the MCP. And mm -hmm. so I think that's why I was able to adjust. But, I mean, these guys are flying sometimes to Indonesia, for example. They fly a week before the race to get acclimated to the time. For a full week, they don't ride. They don't and ride, They yeah. race that weekend. Yeah. And then they got another race in Indonesia the weekend after. So, during the time of two weeks, they only touch the bike at the racetrack. Yeah. And well, Hurlings, so were, Hurlings flew home, right? I think Hurlings flies home, but everybody else stays, yeah. Everybody else stays. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah I think, like, cold enough, like rented an enduro bike and went enduro riding with the KTM team. <laughs> Some people do different things, yeah, but yeah. they really know how to utilize Saturday. You know, they don't go out there and practice and just go wide open. It's like, this is really an R&D championship. They okay. make the bike perfect for each round. Yeah. You know, like, they, like in the U.S. when I was with Star, I, I made such a good setup, I wouldn't really change suspension clicks or whatnot uh -huh. between the races. Maybe two or three every yeah, now yeah. and then. Yep. Over there, they'll change everything. They'll change triple clamp, shock, fork, whatever they have to to make the bike perfect for each track. 
because they have the time given to do that. So over there, understanding your bike helps a lot as well. Yep. At the end of the day, racing is racing. You still have to go out there and give them 100%. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know that a U.S. rider could go there and destroy the first year they go. Yeah, yeah. They can potentially do race wins. I mean, we've got a ton of potential here. I mean, they're really good showing that they spend half of the year racing Supercross and then only 50% of what the Europeans do in motocross, and they're still competitive. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. the skill is there. Right. But it's just a different world. It's, I, think, it's just different. Uh, I think our track prep in the U.S. is not helping things. Every track's the same. Rice holes and watered and dissed up, and then you know you've been there. You've raced the MXGPs. There's all sorts of different mud and sand and hard pack and soft, and I think that helps you as a rider. So I think the American track prep is 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 a little bit of to blame for kind of what's been going on. Yeah, I'll have to agree with that. You know, like whether the track's hard pack or soft, they'll till it to where it's almost the same every weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. And the rubs get really long. Sometimes they get bumpy. Sometimes they don't. And um, the racing here is like you're always going 100% sprinting from the beginning until you can do yeah. that speed and you just go to like a 90%. Yeah, yeah. Over there, it's not like that at all. Like using Indonesia as an example, the track was so hard packed and so wet that I promise you every rider was maybe at 50% for the first four laps because you couldn't go any faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's also a little bit of like a strategic stuff going on over there whereas here everything happens in one day everything's a lot quicker yeah. is you're yeah. there you go and you make it happen yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely it's definitely different right um did you feel like um you were you know you had some friends developing and some some camaraderie camaraderie with the teams and stuff that that were you starting to make a little bit of a name for yourself over there where where people were getting to know you a little bit better yeah, for sure, man. I almost think like my name is more valuable there at the moment than it is here. Everybody was kind of shocked that I didn't get a ride, honestly, after Kamea going into the 450. Yep. And it's just a, it's just how it plays out, you know. But um, I got a lot of friends there. Um, I've had really great experiences with the teams that I've rode over there. Mm-hmm. Not only have I worked with them, but I've become really good friends with yeah, yeah. all of them. Yeah. Except maybe a few people here and there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's really good. And one thing that I see different there when it comes to teams and rider, over there the teams want to make a rider successful. Mm-hmm. Over here, it's like when you get into a team, unless you've been picked up by them since you're like 12, right. it's like the competitive is so high here. They have so many options, so many riders to pick that they're like, okay, here's the bike. We're providing you the best bike. Yep. you got to make the rest happen. Where I've seen over there is like, they were taking me to the doctor to check my blood to see if there was any vitamin C that I needed, any oh, little yeah, details yeah, yeah. I could help. Right, right. I have track trainers from the team, gym trainers. The lady would cook for us. They had the whole bundle. We're here. It's like you're provided the tools to succeed, but it is up to you whether sure. you make it happen or not. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting to, to say that. Um, just a different, different way of doing things, right? Um, At least in my experience, yeah. that's what I can explain. Uh, Anthony Rodriguez on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Podcast, uh, presented by Maxis, Namira, and uh, Scotch as well. So thanks to those guys for coming on board. Thanks to Anthony for, for joining us. Um, yeah, you mentioned Supercross for yourself. It was definitely one of the rougher years for you in Supercross. Um, you know, you have a you have uh, a bunch of top tens, of course, like you said, some top fives. Last year didn't go so well. Do you feel? I feel like you're a better Supercross guy than outdoor, but maybe Anthony. 
maybe with your GP results and, and everything else, maybe you're becoming, you're becoming more of an outdoor guy. You know, I fully have to agree with you on that. I totally feel like I'm a much more skilled rider for Supercross, but I have not gotten the results that I did yeah. like I did in MMGP. Yeah. Um, I I don't want to sound like an ex- like a person that just starts to find excuses, but man, what the things that I've had happen every year is like just every year something's happened right before Supercross, whether it's an yeah, injury yeah. or not having a bike to ride. Yep. And even the year that I was with um, Rocky Mountain, I was training with Jordan Smith. We were doing the same lap times. I was really competitive. Uh-huh. Then I go to the first race. I'm feeling great. And unfortunately, Osby went straight on the first star and took out half of the field. And I was pretty injured from that. And I couldn't train between the races. So there goes another year where I could yeah. just race and not train in between. So I just hope I get my first shot in the future and I can, mm-hmm. for once, be 100% coming into the season what bike would you ride what do, what do you want to ride you've ridden so much like you said you, you rode the, the, the factory ktm a little bit with, with butler brothers and and uh, yamahas are great and uh, the tie loop honda like what what do you want to ride if you could just pick anything okay so if i were to be a full privateer i would honestly have to say that i think yamaha is the most budget friendly and long-lasting bike that you can get out there mm-hmm. but if i had a deeper budget um I don't know what I would do because, I mean, I've had great experiences. The Honda turns very well. The engine was lacking a little bit, but if you have the budget to make it better, you can make it better. Yep. I had great experiences when he went with Rocky Mountain with suspension and bike feel. The KTM revs out the longer out of mm-hmm. all the bikes when it comes to the whoops. It helps a lot. And so, honestly, it would have to be up to whatever help I can get because if you had somebody like, let's say, Enzo suspension helping you, well, Yamaha would be the best option. Right. If you have somebody sure. like PC that's going to try to help you with whatever they can, then mm-hmm. you can pick a Kawi because those bike turns really well. So I would have to see back and think as a bundle, what would be my best option? Yep. So that's a really hard answer to give you. Right. But budget-friendly, Yamaha has the way to go, I believe. Yeah. Uh, would you like to see the American uh, Nationals go to a two-day format or no? That would be an interesting thing to see. It would change things for sure when it comes to R&D and making the suspension work. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody like Eli Tomac and those 450 guys, they're racing 18 supercrosses and 12 motocrosses. I'm sure they wouldn't like it to go that no, way. No. And if it did go that way, maybe a, a few less races. I don't know that. Mm-hmm. But it, it could help a lot of riders. Maybe the riders that don't know how to set up a bike in just one practice, you would see them going from 12th position to maybe p- potential top fives, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah, you do, you know, and coming the other way, you know, whether it's Rattray or Roxon or any of these guys that come over, you know, they get like three laps in the first practice at a national that they've never ridden, and then it is go time. The green flag is thrown, and you have to go. It's such a crazy thing. Yeah, and it's only 15-minute practice. I mean, when I was in Turkey, my practice was 30 minutes, and after 10 minutes, I came in and switched my bike to a completely different bike with a different <laughs> engine package, yeah. and I liked it a ton better. That's the bike I raced. You don't get to do that here. No, no. No way, right? Um, I hey, have my backup bike waiting for me right there with the exact same suspension, the exact yep. same everything except for the engine, engine right. package, and I liked it a lot better. It was more much more controllable in the turns, and uh-huh. I could use second gear a lot more, which I'm a second gear guy when it comes to turns. So... Yeah. You can't do that in the U.S. And so you go to a track and you're like, shoot, this engine package is not working for me here. Well, that's it. Your day's ruined. You can't switch it. Yeah, you have yeah. to race it. You have to make the best out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So 
do you, do you will you be ready for Supercross uh, from your injuries? Will you be ready if something comes up? Yeah, I will be ready. Um, I would say, like, before the break on the East Coast, mm-hmm. I would have to go with the 80% speed, and after the break, I'd be able to attack it 100%. Yep, yep. With that being said, maybe I could be 100% for the first race. That I don't know. Right. But I fully plan on starting to ride on January 1st. Mm-hmm. And I have some other ideas. You know, if this doesn't work out, maybe you'll see me trying to do some off-road racing or something like oh, that. That's cool. I don't know, but... Yeah. Motocross is just in my blood. Everybody should know that by now. I gave up my family when I was 13 and came over here. They're still all in Venezuela. Yeah. And I put all of my eggs in one basket, so I'm going to be here for a while. I admire you doing whatever it is to keep racing dirt bikes for a living. I like that. A lot of Some guys give up, right? Like Some people are just like, hey, man, I'm, I'm over it. Like, and You're just like, nope, I'll ride there. I'll ride a Cowie. I'll ride this bike. I'll ride GPs. I'll ride MXGP. <laughs> whatever it takes. I like that. I like the attitude. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, I've invested so much into it, and mm-hmm. not just because of that, but because I want this to work out. I, I feel like I still got the skills, and I feel that whoever works hard will get rewarded. Mm-hmm. And look at Zach Osborne. He won a championship in the 250 class at 28, and then he won it again at 29. I'm yeah. 24. So like yeah. I said, even if I had to go to Brazil to make some money and rebuild my career and then come back in 2021, I'll do that. Right. And Everybody's different. I can't blame all the riders for retiring early. You know, I, I fully understand. Like, my my old teammate, Gannon Audet, he retired after he got that PC feeling right and yeah. he got that podium, you know. Yeah. But it's different. He felt like he was accomplished and he could move on and live a good life. Yeah, and yeah. that's great for him. Right. But for me, this is it. I, I need yeah. this for personal joy. I have to make it happen. So I, I've had Lorenzo on the, this podcast a couple times. Good dude. Uh, from Venezuela, also, it's, he's he's you know he's had a hard time going back and forth to his country. How's things for you and all that going back and forth and on, on all that? So I haven't been to Venezuela actually in almost five years. Yeah, um, I've gotten really lucky when it comes to flying to Europe and just anywhere but Venezuela. Since I I'm also a Portuguese citizen because. All of my grandparents oh, okay. on my that. mom's okay. side and dad's side are Portuguese, so oh. I was able to get that. And so I'm really lucky with that. And then on top of that, after all this year being here, I have my green card. Mm-hmm. So I'm not limited when it comes to tra- um, yeah. traveling. But, you know, with the political situation going on in Venezuela, oh. you can't even fly directly from the U.S. You would have to go to either yeah. Cancun or some island because the U.S. blocks direct flights. Yeah, it's super scary. Like, yeah, so... Even though my dad, mom, and brother are still there, and I really want to visit them, mm-hmm. I don't feel like this is the time to do it, um, especially because I'm just really focused on physical therapy and whatnot. Yeah. But, I mean, it really sucks. I, I wish I could just pick out a date and pay the flight and go there and come back, but it's not something you can yeah. do with the situation as it is right now. Are they all safe? Everything's good? Everybody's good down there? Like. So, if you lay low, you can stay safe. Um <laughs> My family, you know, he, my dad basically just cycles a lot. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep himself busy. And um, economically, they're doing just fine to survive, okay. and they're waiting for my brother to um, graduate from college. He's got a year left. Yep. And then hopefully I can help them come over here or Portugal, but that's, they're definitely yeah. trying to get out as soon as my brother um, right. graduates. Gets out of school. Oh, that's such a, that's such a different life from what I, every, most people listen to this show even understand. You know what I mean? It's so crazy that... Yeah, and I don't blame them. It's hard to understand. Even for myself, for not being there this last four years, things have changed a lot. And mm-hmm. 
I, I'm sure I don't. I, I, have, I have an idea, but I'm sure it could either be worse than what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm confident with my family being safe. You know, um, they live in a safer area, as we would say. Okay. But still, my brother has to go to the capital every day. He goes to school, and maybe one of those days when he's in the bus, he could get caught in a riot. We never yeah, know. Yeah. That's yeah. my main concern right now is my brother. Right, right. Uh, FXR Racing, designed by racers for racers. Use the code PULPAMX30 to save at FXRRacing.com. Phil Nicoletti winning a Canadian championship this year in FXR gear. So thanks to those guys. And Race Tech suspension as well. PULP19 is the code to save with Race Tech. Get your motor work done. Get some suspension work done. Uh, Chris Blows, Michael Lessi, so many others. Use Race Tech. Malcolm Stewart won Montreal with Race Tech suspension. So thanks to those companies. And thanks to Namira, Maxis, and Skosh as well. Skosh is going to give you a little care kit, Anthony, for... uh, for coming on, so thanks to Skosh. They're going to hook you up. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate that. Um, hey, so let's talk a little bit about your career coming over. So like you said, you at 13, you come over. You're an MTF kid, right? You were always riding with those guys? Yep, that's right. You know, being from yep. Venezuela, um, you can't just come over by yourself and find an apartment, get a truck, and go to the track and practice yourself when you're 14. You know, no. I did turn 14 like just after a month being yep. here. Yep. So... I did come and race the Gold Cups in Florida. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, a local race that used to be a lot bigger before. I think it's coming back again. And we saw Colleen training some of the people, and we approached her, and Camilo Gomez was working there at the time, and so they gave us the opportunity to come there. We're like, this is perfect. This is the only way that we can make this happen. And so I will have to say um, Colleen is one of the persons that I am where I am. Yep. And you know, it wasn't like she grabbed somebody that was really fast and made them faster. She grabbed me from the bottom. I wasn't really fast and made a rider out of me. Did so she really? Really? Yeah. For that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew how to twist the throttle, but that was it. And <laughs> I didn't do it for long. I didn't know how to line up on a rock because I grew up in Venezuela not knowing yeah, what yeah. a rock was. Right. So she really did build me from the ground up. Wow, that's cool. So. Did you were Star always keeping an eye on you in amateurs? Were Yamaha helping you out, and was it always a deal where you were going to get a ride with them right away? So I was always a Yamaha kid from Venezuela. They yep. helped me with um, a few bikes here and there, and um, I, I I had some really good results. You know, um, coming to Loretta's one year, I came out of nowhere and got a second. And so Yamaha started putting an eye on me, and then JGR picked me up. Actually, not a lot of people know this, but David Melsop sponsored me. That year. Oh, did he? When he was yeah. in JGR. Yeah, yeah. Because that year he wasn't sure he would get a, a ride the year after, so he was planning on starting his own team professionally mm-hmm. and amateur. Yep. So he started sponsoring me that year so that the following year I would be on that team. So kudos to him for doing that. Yeah. And that year I actually won Loretta's and the 450 class. And in the spring nationals, I won a, a, a bunch of titles against um, Cooper at the time, Cooper Webb, and he was star then. And so – you know, Bobby Reagan saw me there, and he saw me win the races, and I was actually driving home myself, and he called me directly and approached me, and so that's how that happened. Oh, okay. Wow, that's cool. You, you'd have been so stoked to get that ride. Uh, yeah, I, I was speechless at the time. I yep. mean, I didn't know his name, yep. so when he said, hey, I'm Bobby Reagan, so I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain a little more? Yeah, yeah. But then once he started explaining, I was like mind blown. Yeah, yeah. And you rode there for two years? Um, three years actually. Three years? My last year as an amateur, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Two years, um, yeah. But 2014, man, that right. that was terrible. I did 14 laps of Supercross total. Jeez, yeah, big big adjustment for you, huh? Yeah. Who was on the team that year with you? 
14. Um, that was Plessinger, Webb, and J-Mart. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. So look at those guys. Man, that's cool to hang out with those guys. Look what they've done now. Yeah, for sure. You know? AP and Aaron just laughing all the time. That's all Aaron Plessinger does is just laugh. Yeah, for sure. We definitely had some really good times. And, you know, J-Mart was really cool with me, Cooper as well. It was it was good years all the time, the injuries. Yep. I always, uh, I always tell the guys the same things. Uh, not always, but I talk to a lot of guys on this privateer show, and I'm always like, hey, man, get get into 450 Supercross as soon as you can because the, the purse money is, is so much better if you're not going to have a factory-supported ride in 250s. You know what I mean? Do you, uh, yeah, For you, sure, yeah. And, and, I mean, I, I know you rode 450 Outdoors over here, but have you ever done 450 Supercross? No, actually. I've, I tried to do it in Australia. Yeah. Um, the 2015 when I lost the star ride, but it was really unprepared because after the um, outdoors here, I started getting for destinations in France, and I actually had to fly to France like two weeks early before the race, and I couldn't ride for two weeks because I had to renew my green card, sorry, my sports visa. Oh, I had yeah. to renew it at the American embassy while I was in France. Oh. So I didn't ride for two weeks. Races Nation have been riding a Yamaha, and I get on a 450 Honda, and again, I try to race Supercross, and it didn't go well in Australia because mm-hmm. I only had a week of riding, and I was like, hey, I can't provide you the results you need right now. I yeah, need yeah. to go home. So that was really short-lived. But huh. you're right. That's one thing I want to do in the future. The purse money is tentative. and Oh, yeah. I'm a bigger guy. You know, being at 175 to 180 pounds is something that could possibly benefit me as well. Yeah, for sure, man. Why not? You know, it definitely it's it's definitely a lot better for a guy if you're paying your own way to get there to the races and everything. So Yeah, for sure. And trust me, if I can race Monster Cup this year, you'll see me there on a 450. Oh, interesting. That that will be cool. Uh, hey, we got to talk about that Bud's Creek finish line crash from a couple years oh, ago. Man. I don't know how you survived that, dude. I, that was insane crash. I, I caught the end of it, and I'm like, oh, my God, Anthony Rodriguez just killed himself. <laughs> yeah. So I was racing um, my friend's bike. He races the back classes in Miami. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I got a top 10 in Bud's Creek when I was with Cycle Traders after just riding the bike for one week. Yeah, Who yeah. knows what I can get? Let's go out there and yeah, do yeah. the best. So right. I went out there. Got some suspension from Factory Connection and just got on the bike and rode. I had fallen in the start and my gloves were full of mud. Okay. And so, you know, that ditch right before the finish line, yeah. it had a bunch of mud rods and I got cross rotted, which wasn't a big deal. But then my left hand came off and I fully just hooked <laughs> on the throttle. Is that what happened? And I got okay. whiskey throttle. Oh. Yeah. I got whiskey throttle off of the face of the jump and. Yeah, it was just terrible. Dude, did you did you hurt yourself or were you okay? I don't remember. Did you get up? You broke your handlebar no, and everything. I was good. Yeah. I, like, I got up and everything, and I didn't know my wrist was injured, but I had actually, like, popped it out of place. Okay. I went to Asterisk, and they popped it back in place, and I literally had a cast for, I think, four weeks, and then I was good to go. Oh, and so for people who have been to Bud's Creek, Anthony just jumped off the finish line into the side of the wall. Uh, there was a wall there beside the finish line, and it was ugly. Oh, yeah, I was still going up in the air when <laughs> I was past the landing. Like, <laughs> holy smokes, dude! Oh, it was bad. Uh, well, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you survived that for sure. Uh, 
Thanks to Maxis.com, MXST tire, developed by Jeremy McGrath, used by AJ Cantanzaro. Uh, Namira Technologies, Pistons with an Attitude. Please go to Namira.com for more information from those guys. Uh, go to your local dealer. Also, Skosh, Pulp25 is the code to save. It's Skosh.com. Rockstar Energy Husky using it as well. So <laughs> thanks to those companies for coming on board. Uh, Anthony Rodriguez on the show. Yeah, that was that was nuts. Um, hey, you have ridden designations how many times for Venezuela? Um, three times. So three. I did Lomo in 2012, yep. Airmay in 15, and then um, last year is it, um, in how cool? Redbud. How cool is that, man? Like you got that's got to be a real cool career kind of highlight thing. Honestly, the first one was the best one. I still don't understand how I rode Lomo that good. Never <laughs> ridden sand before. Yeah, because we went to the B final. Yeah. You know, and for the people that don't know, that's the LCQ on Sunday morning for the teams that didn't qualify. Right. And Team Geyser was part of it, and so was Jeremy Seward because Switzerland and Slovenia. Yeah, yeah. And I remember passing these two dudes like if I was just on fire. Like I started <laughs> behind them, passed them, I was on fire, and then my bike blew up in the tabletop. Oh, jeez. And uh, I was just mind blown because at the time I was 17. Yeah. And I had, uh, it was just, I was out of place. Like, I was riding too good for what I was doing. <laughs> but it was just awesome. I yeah. remember that one, the best one for sure. Erne, not so much. I didn't ride a bike for two weeks. The bike with rent, it was not very good at all. Yeah. And then Red Bull was good. You know, it was the first time in history that Venezuela qualified for this nations, And we did it without any funding. You know, we had a bunch of friends from Miami who got together uh-huh. and put money from their pocket and, Found a little bit of sponsorship here and there, and we got it done. There was zero help from the Venezuelan Federation, or well, they helped as much as they could when it came to signing papers and whatnot. But economically, we had zero help other than just a group of friends. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that makes it kind of neat, right? To do what you did then. Yeah, yeah for sure. It was like the buddies that I grew up with racing, and the buddies that were always at the local track in Venezuela. Uh-huh. Like, it was like it was such an amateur thing. It, we just. We did grills and barbecues every day, and it was just oh, like... that's funny. It was such an awesome time. Of course, I was fully focused on the race, and I did the best that I could, not being a great mud rider. I, getting a top 10 in the 250 class, I was happy with. Yep. Could I have performed better? Yes, I feel like I could have. But overall, that was a crazy weekend for every team, you know, with how the track was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? No, it's got to be cool, man. I mean, I look at Venezuela kind of in the same spot as Canada, as my, my home country of Canada. You know, we're, we're, we're one of those countries, we're there, we're trying our best. If we get in the A final, Canada did pretty well, but if we get in the A final, you know, that's a great thing. You know, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same spot as, as Canada, Venezuela is. Yeah, for sure. We were extremely happy to make it and not even having to go to the LCQ, so we were just really happy what, what's with the, that. What are the tracks like uh, in Venezuela? Imagine, for the people that don't know, but imagine Paris just on a super hard-packed day with no rods and maybe being, like, 20 seconds shorter. <laughs> That's what we have. Is That's it. Super hard-packed tracks. Yeah, yeah. Tight tracks, and they don't get rough because what they do is they'll fix it, pack it, so that it becomes so hard that they don't have to um, service it. You know, they don't yeah, have to yeah, work yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So oh. we develop a lot of throttle control over there. Because so, it's just a bunch of drifting. I'm guessing the very first time you came to U.S. to, to ride, it's just you and your dad. You guys just show up and, and start. How'd you, yeah. how'd you find out about MTF? You just read about it or heard about it? So um, 
basically we came for the winter amps because yep. I have been bugging my dad to come over. Okay. I rode the same track in Venezuela every Tuesday and Thursday. I could ride that thing with my eyes closed. <laughs> I was so bored. Yep. I kept begging him after seeing the pictures of the track here. Right. So we came for winter amps. And we saw Colleen, you know, training those kids. And right. on top of that, Lorenzo Lucurcio, he was supposed to become a member the year after. So he told us all about it. Yep. And we're like, okay, well, let's be a member. And he actually couldn't become a member that year. He had to wait an extra year. So I was there. That was the only Spanish-speaking kid for one full year. So oh, yeah, yeah. you could imagine. I knew nothing when right, it came right. to English. Right. And I think that was one of the reasons I learned it so quick, too, because I had to. There was no option. Yeah. Yeah, really, right? Jeez. Huh? Did you? So when your dad, you, you, you just would you rent a bike when you guys first came over? How would you? Who who get So your when bike? we first came over, Yamaha Venezuela got like a demo eighty five ah, okay. for us. We yeah, were staying yeah. at a friend's house in Miami and driving a lot to right, get to right. the races. Right. But it was like really amateur. We I I didn't stock suspension, and I remember I was maybe like an inch shorter than I am now as a thirteen year old. I was yeah, yeah. a ginormous kid. <laughs> ginormous. And every race we would go to they would ask for my birth certificate because they did not think I could be racing right, right. senior meetings and eighty fives and small wheels, you know, so it was kinda of funny when it came to that. They're like, Listen kid, we don't know where you're from, but there's no chance you're thirteen. There's no chance. That's exactly right. Oh, that's funny. I could yeah, I could see that, right? Um, yeah, and it was definitely a family gamble. My dad, you know, yep. he had a tow truck company there and sold a few tow trucks so that he could get a motorhome so I could have a place to live when he uh, dropped me off at MTF, you know? Jeez, that's crazy, the sacrifice, right? That you, that you, that yeah, you, that for sure. Thing. I have to give it up to him and my mom as well. Right. Um, so if someone offered you an MXGP ride for 2020, you'd take it, right? That's where you're going? Yeah, for sure. I'd yep. take whatever comes at me that's worth it yep. and that I can – show what I'm capable of, right, right. capable of doing. Whether it's Supercross, whether it's motocross in Brazil or motocross in Europe, whatever it is, Anthony Rodriguez, you'll ride it. Oh, yeah, even if it's rally, I'll go for it. <laughs> I like no, it. Ideally, yeah. my heart is in motocross and Supercross, but I'll do it anything that's in two wheels. Yeah, no, I like that, man. I like that attitude for sure. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I like to get the update on you and get it out there and, and, and let people know what you're doing and – and uh, real interesting career so far. That's that's far from over. That's for sure. I, I I don't know where we'll see you, what part of the world we'll see you in, but I we'll see you riding a motorcycle somewhere, right? Yeah, I don't know when or where, but it'll happen. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Anthony Rodriguez, for coming on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Podcast. Thanks, buddy. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Uh, that's for you, man.